You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan Podcast 211. Tim finishes the mini arcade. Amazon shipping, the Apple Watch, Weed Whackers, Strimmers, Google I.O., and keyboards. Check it out. And it is Tech Fan Podcast number 211. I'm Tim Robertson. Hey, there's David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. How are you? I'm pretty good. Hmm? I, had some, I had a nice surprise wait for me when I came home from work today. Uh-oh. <laughs> it? It's a big, long, white box, and it has an Apple Watch in it. Really? You got an Apple Watch? Yeah. How do you like my, it my, so far? My, well, I, I haven't even opened the box yet um, because I my kids were very excited because they're on... They're on um, half term from school this week, so they're at home. So we were very excited when, he, when it arrived, and my wife said, "Oh, can we just open the box and have a look?" And I went, "No, no, don't open the box because bits will fall out and they'll get lost." And yeah, you know, you know what it's like with the kids. So I said, "I said, leave it till I come home." So I'm not going to open it until they're here, so they can share in the experience with me. But I, I have to say, the box is bigger than I thought it was, and it's heavy. Hmm. Uh, for something that's just a tiny watch, it's really, really heavy. Well, Apple's so, always used really good quality packaging too. Yeah, I, I think they're trying to give you that premium experience. So it's still the, it. I, you know, one of the things I love about them is, you know, they you you get stuff from other companies and you can't open the boxes. With this, you know, I've taken the cellophane wrap off and you just lift the top off, yep. and it slides out under friction, and you know that somebody sweated the detail about. Absolutely. Okay, well, we don't want it to fall out. But we want it to open easily, and you you just need to be able to lift it off, and it will kind of come out slowly, like uh, <laughs> you know, I had like, a, almost like an announcement. I had a company send me a uh, USB three dock mm-hmm. for review here on TechFam, and I, yeah. I I literally haven't used it at all yet, but I did take it out of the package, and I have to say, for a third party company, um, you know what? I threw away the box to that one, but they actually sent me two things. They sent me that dock and a uh, a six port USB wall traveler charger, right? Which, you know, I I I travel quite a bit, so this might actually come in handy. Um, they're called iClever, mm-hmm. and their packaging is really nice, and the physical device looks nice. I don't know how well it works because, like I said, I haven't even used it yet. But good packaging there too. I think Apple is. Uh, has they, they've been ahead on that for many years, and I wish more oh, companies yeah. would kind of catch up. But here's the the flip side of that is David, Amazon, and I, I'm pretty sure they do it there in the UK as well. Have a new system in that they take out whatever the device is, and they just put it in a box. Yeah. So when you get home and you open it, it's just there. It is. You don't have to you know that hard plastic shell and trying to open. You, it's it's just there. It's yeah. ready to go. Irony, I, I like that, too. Yeah. The irony of buying, like, a multi-tool or a, something with a blade on it, and then it's in a... <laughs> a in package a you can't open? Yeah, a vacuum-filled thing that you you basically need to cut open to get in um, is is really bizarre. Yeah, they, that's a frustration-free program, and I, and I think it's it's really good. But, I, I, I mean, Amazon have been getting some flack recently for... Um, sending out tiny things in huge boxes. Yeah, they've done that to me a few times. It's like, why 
why is this? I've got one. In fact, the box was like three foot by two foot. And it was, uh, inside of it was four cans of uh, pasta sauce. Well, four bottles. But it's like, why is it in such a big box? This is such, it's wasteful. Yeah. And I'm not the most conscious guy when it comes to waste. I mean, yeah, we do the recycling thing and all that, but that's mostly because my wife is here. If she wasn't, I'd be throwing crap away that I probably shouldn't. Yeah. But even I was like, wow, that's kind of wasteful. Yeah, I, I guess in the uh, and the, there's a tension at Amazon isn't there because they you know the the pickers in the warehouses are under a lot of pressure to pick and pack and send extremely quickly yeah in fact they uh, rolled out a uh, same day delivery in a few cities here in the United States and i've i've had a couple those bbc have done a couple of investigations apparently it's it's a really hard tough job yeah. working at Amazon warehouse so well pretty much any warehouse is a rough job yeah, no, but Amazon is takes it to the, to a completely new level, um, and and you've got to balance that up with the fact that um, obviously they're paying to ship, and most most um, shipping you get charged not just by weight but also by volume, so it costs them more if they send send stuff in large boxes as well as the environmental impact. Uh, I guess sometimes if uh, you know if if the system says that there's a there's an option for boxes or maybe somebody's keyed it in wrong and it's got a large box. It's just not worth anybody's while to correct it. They just need to get on with the next job. Yeah, I can get it. I get it. But at least in this case, it was evident that it was in there for a reason. It, yeah. it, they used that. Bo- that was the box that they shipped it in. Uh-huh. And uh, But the flip side of that, again, how many flip sides are there now? <laughs> uh, my weed whacker died. Right. Uh, I've had, I've got two actually. I've got a gas powered one, which I actually hate using. The trigger broke on it couple years ago so it's got this little nub and it hurts my finger when i have to hold that little nub down it's very sharp edged yeah um but i still use it occasionally but the pull part of the gas one jammed and i can't get the rope back in the little string to pull it to start Mm -hmm. so i broke up my electric that you know i have to walk around with a big orange i i just yeah i just have to say for our non-us listeners when when Tim talks about a weed whacker. He means a strimmer. Yes, that's what that's what we call them here. Yeah. A strimmer. So, I've had this electric one for I'm going to say eight years. It's never let me down. Now, the flip side is, you know, you've got this big orange uh, extension cable dragging around behind me, but my yard isn't so big that it's it's that big of a deal. Yeah, and it's quieter, and uh, it gets the job done. Well, the engine burned out on it. I don't know why, but the engine burned out. It started smoking. It's toast. And, of course, my gas one isn't working either. Yeah. So I said, you know what? I'm not going to fix this gas one. I've already had it repaired twice. It's, uh, I'm just not going to do that anymore. So I want another electric. I thought about a battery-powered one, but they're like twice as much. So I went to Amazon, and I did some searching, and I spent probably a half hour, which is a long time for me to look up products. I think that probably is for anybody, a half hour just kind of researching on Amazon. Yeah. And I read all these reviews, and the one that was high, rated the highest within the price range that I wanted to pay, I didn't want to go over $200. Um, believe it or not, was uh, $29.99. Mm-hmm. And so I ordered it. It was delivered yesterday, and it's in the manufacturer's box like you would see on a store shelf. Yeah. It's not in another box or anything. It's That's it. Yeah. And uh, thankfully, my wife, though, was outside 
working in the yard when they delivered it. Otherwise, it would have been sitting on my porch, this white box with a picture of what's inside of it sitting right there. <laughs> a big neon sign that says, steal me. me. Yeah. <laughs> well, thankfully, it's only a you know, $30 weed whacker. I haven't taken it out of the box yet, but I'm, I'm actually, I know it sounds weird. I'm actually looking forward to opening the box and testing it because I haven't used a new weed whacker in forever. Yeah. So anyways, I like, cool. I like we, stringers. Strimmers. Strimmers. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I don't know why they're called strimmers here. I mean, <laughs> I'm not surprised they're not called Wee S- S-T-I-M-M-E-R? S-T-R-I-M-E-R. Gotcha. I'm writing it down for the show notes. Um, yeah. Strimmer. I kind of like that better. Sounds well. Here's the actually string trimmer. Yes, I I understand where that came from. That I understand why it's called a weed whacker in the United States is because that was the first company that popularized this. The weed Uh whacker is actually a brand name. So what I bought technically isn't a weed whacker. Yeah, but that's what I call it, (laughs) and that's that's the uh, search term I put into Amazon. The company that makes the weed whacker must hate that. They still make them. The, 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 yeah, that, that brand still goes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It didn't come in honestly in when I did my search initially before I kind of narrowed it down in price. Uh, I don't think I saw Weed Whacker until like the third page. Yeah, and I specifically looked for Weed Whacker. Yeah. See, um, yeah, and that that brand is not sold here. So yeah, that's why it's always. I don't, uh, I don't think I've actually owned a, an actual Weed Whacker. No, <laughs> I don't know. Not that I remember, anyways. So, anyways, David, when are you, so you're going to open the watch tonight? Yeah, when the kids get home. Well, in I fact, look- yeah, they, they they've just texted me say they're out, so uh, they're probably well. When we come home, we'll we'll open it up and get it get it going and set it up, you know. But uh, you know how how excited the kids get with seeing something new. So why why I didn't really want to deprive them of that. I've waited, you know. I was I was expecting this not to come till the end of June. Yeah, because that's that was the last date I had um, from Apple, and um, then I got yeah, just a couple of days ago, I got an email out of the blue from them saying it's on the way, and <laughs> I uh, emailed my brother who's also ordered one and has the same date, and he's got the same model as me on order as well, and he he's really very upset because <laughs> his one ain't coming yet. <laughs> well, you're going to have to do a show on about it next week because Absolutely. I can't yeah. do OWC or I can't do. Um, Tech fan next week. I will okay. be in L.A. In fact, when we usually record the show, um, I'll be on my way to a uh, an expo. Um, what is it? I forget the name of it now. WWDC? No. Well, I'm doing that on uh, Sunday night. Right. Uh, but in uh, – and that's in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, i got to look it up. Cinegear. Okay. Cinegear Expo in Los Angeles. And it's uh, uh, the studios at Paramount, Hollywood, oh, cool. California. So that's where I will be uh, when you're recording the next episode. So I won't be here for the next one, but I will be for the one after, which is going to be a big one because we'll be able to talk about whatever Apple releases and talks about at WWDC. This week, however, David, and we're going to get to it in a few minutes. In fact, we'll probably talk about it in the second uh, segment of this show, was Google's I.O. Yeah. Can you hear the music in the background? I could turn up the volume a little bit here. Wait, I don't know which one of the volume buttons are, that one. 
I can hear that. Okay. So what that is is the splash screen on the iCade. And if I hit player one... Ah, we all know what that noise means. Yeah, buddy. So... Okay, look, I can play Pac-Man while we're doing the show. I probably shouldn't, though, right? <laughs> no. No. Okay, I'll turn it off. That is the sound of the iCade actually running now. Uh, I talked about it on the last couple episodes, and uh, go ahead. I, I just, I uh, you, obviously, you sent me a video of this. I couldn't believe how quickly you put this thing together. I mean, it, it would have taken me six months. And you've got the thing, I mean, it's... it's it, there's a bit of fit and finish stuff, but it's pretty much done. Yeah, I, I still we still got to figure out what we're going to do for graphics on it. Whether we're just going to paint it, um, you know, it's got this big sticker on it. The front of it is actually plastic, so I can't really sand that down. Um, so we got to figure out if we're going to skin it with some graphics or what. And I got to buy some plexiglass and mask out everything, but where the screen is to put in front of the screen, so you don't see any wires or anything like that. And it'll make the the screen a little bit more secure. But for all intents and purposes, uh, functionality-wise anyways, it's done. It's working. I built the bottom, the two backs, and uh, you know the power supply is in it, the PCB is in it. All the buttons have been wired, uh, the joysticks working. Uh, honestly, David, you know what took me the longest was the damn d- joystick. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, it would go up but not down. It would go left if I went right and it would go down if i went left and it was just so it was just you had the wrong pins wired in or yeah and then one of my grounds actually came undone which i couldn't see mm-hmm. and that's what was causing some of the but something some of the directions not to work at all it took me probably 45 minutes of troubleshooting to get the joystick to working which probably actually doesn't sound like a lot of time no. but it it felt like i was taking forever and the reason that we kind of got it done when we did is this is the last day of school or last day of I can go to Cole's school to show his class this thing that he helped build. And he's very proud of his efforts. Mm-hmm. Uh, he helped with the wiring. Yeah. And I, I had to get it done. Uh, in fact, um, two hours from right now is when I have to be at his school. And okay. I think there's 20 kids in his class. So it's going to be kind of a show and tell type of thing. Yeah. So I'm going to go in and you know plug it in and explain what it was and what we turned it into with uh, Cole and Brooks' help, and um, you know that it doesn't actually take quarters, but it's the same thing as one of the big arcades that they've probably seen before. Um, and then I'll I'll uh, let all the kids take turn playing on it. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's I, I. As I say, I, I think it's really impressive, and I, you know, I've done a bit of searching around. I've seen a couple of people who've done Mame type stuff into uh, into the arcade, but there's nobody who's done a proper arcade board into it. So no, not that I I've think, seen either. I've seen yeah, some uh, Raspberry Pis. Yeah, but uh, I, I think um, you know, once you once you've gone through it through it with coal and, and school and everything like that, then what you need to do is kind of. Um, put it all together up in your site and then maybe uh, drop it to a couple of the tech sites because I'm this is the sort of thing I can imagine uh, kind of might go a little bit viral and uh, people will be interested in well I videotaped uh, pretty much all the steps yeah. I didn't actually videotape the work itself because I, I really couldn't you know what I mean I mm-hmm. would need another person just on the camera to do that 
and a lot of it's just tedious, you know, um, putting wires together and using shrink wrap and and unscrewing things and cutting wood and that's boring. Nobody really yeah. wants to watch that. They want to see kind of the in progress stuff. Here's how it started. Yeah. Here's one step. Here's the next step. It's basically four steps, and I do have the raw video footage. It's not edited or anything. I do have all four steps at, um, what is it, uh, notnewvideogames.com. Mm-hmm. And I've been linking to it on our Twitter and our Facebook page as well. So anybody who's been following us on Twitter or Facebook has probably seen a post about it. But you can actually see it in action if you go to notnewvideogames.com. Um, start at the beginning, step one, two, three, and four, work your way right up, and you can see it in progress and actually working. Cool. It's a lot so of fun, I, though. I, I, yeah, I want to ask you a question about, about this, because I, I started looking around for similar sort of things, wondering if I could do do something. I wouldn't do it in an arcade, because obviously you've, you've done that, proved you've done that. I would look to do something different here. Um, so I looked at what was available to me here in the UK, and I saw today a board that basically looks like a big yellow cartridge with an edge connector on the bottom and then a VGA connector at the top. Yep. And so I, I, I figured obviously that the edge connector's got to plug into something, but I, I, I don't... I'm it plugs to into a jammer harness. Right, so the jammer harness is basically is that just a power and control interface? Yes, and that's everything. Okay, and that's everything. So all I need to do is get a, a, a motherboard that does that, plug my controls in one end, plug the VGA out from the other, put in power to it, and get it an appropriate screen, and I should be able to have an arcade. Yeah, what you need to do is uh, most of those cartridges, actually, if you look a little bit more on the site, they'll actually sell you the JAMA harness as well. Okay. So it, the harness would be all wired up, and you'll just have bare wires or plugs at the other end. So that's what you want there. Um, the the plastic cartridge that you're talking about, the yellow thing, yeah. it's, it's just uh, a case for the PCB itself. Right. I could have got the 60 and one in one of those, but I just wanted the board itself. Yeah. Because plus, I think it kind of looks cooler in the back of the arcade when you op- when I open up the back door and you yeah. see uh, a PCB sitting there with all these wires. Because most people go, "Oh my god, how did you do that?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as complex as you might think. No. Um, and besides which, at least on mine, I only u- used maybe a third of the wires. Yeah, because I don't have double joysticks or double buttons. Uh, I didn't hook up a coin door. Yeah, there was things that I didn't have to do, so I just trimmed those wires a lot shorter. Um, but I left enough there, so if I ever really wanted to take this out and put it in a full size arcade, I still could do that. Yeah. So I, what I have a hankering to do is we have this in this new house we bought. So we have a living room that at the moment is just piled up with boxes because yeah. we haven't finished unpacking. And we need to get a new um, couch for in there because the couch we had wouldn't wouldn't go up the stairs and get in. And and in fact, my good wife is texting me as we speak, telling me she's out at the sofa store at the moment looking at various different options. So once we get a couch in there, I'd really like to have a cocktail arcade cabinet table. Um, but I don't want to just go and buy a, a single arcade one. I want one with, with lots of games on. Um, and, uh, and you know, it seems to me that putting a putting one of these boards in it with the uh, 150 or so games would be a good way to go. Well, you do have a couple options. Um, there's a few more things that you need. Um, by the way, if anyone's hearing a noise, it's the fan running above me because it's actually getting really hot in this room. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to live with a little extra noise on this episode because I don't feel like sweating here before I have to go to my son's school. 
Um, you have to get a power supply. Yeah. Uh, here in the U.S., you can get one for 15 bucks, And it's got to be a switching power supply, which yeah. means it, it provides different voltages, yeah. not just one, you know, 12 volt out. So you got to get uh, a switching power supply. You have to get a monitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on the size of your screen, I mean, really any PC flat panel monitor will do. Yeah. If the monitor that you get has speakers built in, all the better. If not, you're going to have to buy speakers, and then you're going to have to power those speakers. Yeah, um, I actually, I actually have kind of a, a three by two, um, kind of a fourteen inch LCD TV that will probably do the job. I could strip strip the uh, the mounting off the bottom and then actually mount it straight in. Yeah, that would work perfect. Yeah. Um, here's where you don't skimp. You can skip on the monitor. You don't have to get a really expensive one because, you know, the graphics from these games aren't high quality, so who cares? Here's where you don't skimp. You don't skimp on the controls. Mm -hmm. Get buttons that cost at least $2 each, which is nothing. I was going to say. I thought <laughs> you were going to say. There's cheap get, ones. Get controls that cost at least $50 each. No. Point, you know, $2 each. Well, I really can't go more Well, than yeah, but if you've, got, if you've got, you know, five buttons plus a player one and player two button, I, I all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, and you could also go, I spent, you know, f- uh, $350 per button on my Neo Geo, but that has LEDs built in, so the buttons themselves light up. Yeah. And... Um, the joystick is really the, the the critical thing. You can get a cheap joystick for ten bucks, and you're going to hate it. Get a switchable from four to eight player joystick. Yeah. Because if you're playing a four player game and your joystick is set to eight, it doesn't know if you're going up or left. It doesn't know if you're going down or right. So it just guesses. Right. Because um, you're actually turning on both of those switches at the same time and it confuses a game that's only used to, you know, four player or four directions. The reverse is true that if you still have it set to four and you're playing a game that like Robotron that's eight way, you can only go left, right, up or down. You can't go to angles and that's a problem. So what about what about for games I mean because some of the some of these old cabinets use two joysticks. Robotron was a good example. That was a twin joystick game, and some of them had a trackball. Yep. Can you get controllers that could do all of that? Well, you'd buy the each controller separately. So you would buy a joystick. You would buy the buttons you want. You'd buy the rollerball that you want. Yeah. And then you build the control panel itself, which is okay. just a piece of wood with you know the cutouts for the controls. Cutouts, and you just screw them. Screw you them just screw them right them. in. Right. Well, usually you, you drill holes and there's bolts that go through. Yeah. So that, that part is pretty simple. Um, but it, it's not an expensive thing. What The first decision you have to make, though, David, honestly, is do you want the real classic games like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong? Or do you want games from a, a little bit later in time? Because you need to pick either vertical or horizontal games. You're going to have a lot more choice if you go with horizontal. But you won't be able to get Pac-Man and Donkey Kong in those. I went... The one I got is the 16-1 Vertical Classics. Mm -hmm. There's also a 16-1 Horizontal Classics. So, that's the first thing you need. What games do you want on it? And that... Uh, You can't get Jammer Harnesses that will switch between one and the other? Sure, you can, but it's a lot more... 
uh, problem. And if you're building a cocktail table, how do you do that? Where do you put the yeah. controls so you can play horizontal or vertical? Yeah, I, I see what you mean. Now, my main cabinet, I can use the software to rotate the screen itself in software. Mm-hmm. Or I've got my flat panel TV that is actually on a swivel, so I can make it vertical or horizontal, depending on the game. But when you're building a table, you don't have that option. Okay. So that's that's the I'm, first thing I'm that you need to figure out. I'm going to look into this. I'm, I'm definitely you've kind of whetted my appetite to uh, to give this a go. You know, it's a lot uh, of fun to me. It, it's it's one of these things that as as you get into it and you start researching it and putting it together, it becomes your machine. I will say though that the sixty and one board that I've got, there's a lot of flaws in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of the games don't have the correct sound at all. It's completely missing soundtrack information. Um, it's got some sounds, but not all of them. Uh, one of my favorite games is Mr. Do. Yeah. I play it all the time on my, on my, uh, main cabinet. And I've got a really good joystick on that main cabinet. That's switchable from four to eight, which is what you want. I played it on the, the iCade. And it looks like ass. I mean, yeah. the the colors are completely off. Um, the sound is not correct. It's pretty bad, to be honest. And is is that board updatable? Can you no get no no? It is what it is. They're yeah. burned into ROM, so yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, they're, they're sacrifices, but I still kind of like the dedicated board. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would be better. It would be more playable. Had I gone with, I don't know, a, a little a, a MAME cabinet in there, if I would put like a Raspberry Pi. And there's a lot of communities online, David, where you can literally download the image, put it on a flash drive, plug it into your uh, Raspberry Pi, boot up, and you're ready to go. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that's good, but I don't know, David. I, I kind of like to tinker. I kind of like to learn new things. Yeah. Even if the things I'm learning is. 30 year old technology, (laughs) you know, absolutely. But it was good for the kids because they, they got to see how things hook up. And, you know, when we were tracing the wires, because the JAMA harness itself doesn't say, Oh, this is for, you know, up on player one. This is for the button on the second player. You, You don't know what the wires are supposed to do. You have to look at the schematic and then you literally have to count the pins on the JAMA harness itself to figure out, okay, uh, one up is, you know, the 17th pin down. And if we count that, we can see this is the red wire. But unfortunately, there's 20 red wires in this harness. So you have to trace it to the end. Okay, this yeah. is the one that we need. So we need to put a piece of tape around it. We need to write on here what this is. Yeah. That was, I, I think, good skills and patience for Brooke and Cole. Well, yeah, it, it is. It's it's doing something a bit more hands-on. The problem with doing it with Raspberry Pi is you just plug USB connections in. Right, you don't and learn HDMI anything. HDMI in, and then you plug your SD card in, and you turn it on, and it's working. But there's no skill involved in that. No. There's no. Um, the hardest part of that is probably going on Google and finding the images and putting it on an SD card. Now you um, could you could get some kind of a switcher in that. Um, you know, you you so let's say you went with a uh, a horizontal screen, mm. so you get the whatever board, you know, hundred games on the one board, but you also kind of want to do the Raspberry Pi thing. You can get a yep, switcher that's... and do both 
that's the same controls. Because I have a Raspberry Pi. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the Raspberry Pi is tiny, mm-hmm. so you could just slip it in there. And as long as you could switch over from one to the other, then you can have the best of both worlds. Yep. That's mm. absolutely doable. Okay. And that's a that's a more complex project than I just did, though. Yeah. Yeah, but I I, th- I think that if you do that, you know, you need to document it. We'll get that posted on notnewvideogames.com too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna first first thing to do is, is find find some room for the uh, for the table itself, and then and get get an old table, and then once I've got that, I can start trying to figure it out. Absolutely, and and you know, here's a neat thing. You could take actually any table. Cut a yeah. hole in a table, put a screen, put yeah. plexiglass over Wood, it. Working is is not is is definitely not my forte. Oh, I gotta uh, say that's not my forte either. And you've seen and the videos. My woodworking skills have. It doesn't look bad. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it's not my strong suit. <laughs> I've seen. I've seen uh, from looking into this. I've seen a lot of people online who kind of build their own cabinets. And to my mind, unless you're a great craftsman carpenter. You're going to end up something that looks like you nailed some bits of plywood together. Yeah. And and to me, it, I mean, this is this will be in my living room. It has to look nice. It has to look sleek. It has to look like a piece of quality furniture. Which means I really need to get an original cocktail cabinet, which is all you know proper proper built with proper legs and glass and that sort of thing. So at least it looks acceptable. Well, I uh, I can't I can't have something that looks no. like a homeless guy's been living in it. No, no, absolutely living. not. Um, I did run into some problems with this during the build, though, David. Uh, mm-hmm. First, the joystick is the original joystick that came with the iCade, yeah. and it sucks. Yeah. To yeah, it's not a good joystick at all. But the kit that I bought actually came with a much better joystick that you can switch from four to eight. So I thought, well, I'm de- I definitely want to use this better joystick. Big problem: it doesn't fit in there. Mm-hmm. There's not enough room with the plate on the bottom of the joystick to slide it up inside the iCade. Yeah. It's just, it's too big. And too there's, big. I even took the plate off thinking, well, if I could fit it in there without this big plate on it, maybe I can trim the plate down, mm-hmm. but it, it won't fit on there even without this big mounting plate. So I was forced to use the joystick that it came with. And that's where my problems really began with the the wiring in that uh, because they had soldered the wires onto the joystick uh, switches, Mm -hmm. I couldn't just take them off and replace those wires. So I had to use the pre-existing wires. And the way this thing is kind of set up, I couldn't tell which actuators went to which direction. Which, I mean, to be fair, I mean, it was never designed for somebody. No, no, no. Absolutely no. No, And again, this was a cheap thing. I mean, when this was brand new, I think it cost 99 bucks. Yeah. And probably 70% of that cost is for the wood, which the wood isn't very good either, by the way. Um, the biggest problem I had was last week, we were hooking things up and testing it again. I was trying to figure out how I was going to mount that very flat panel screen in there. I unplugged the ribbon cable from it, from the back of the the, the monitor itself, the screen, mm-hmm. and it broke the harness. And it absolutely shouldn't have done that. I mean... It's not like I yanked it out or anything. Yeah. And I was very kind of disappointed that it broke that quickly, that easily, just by pulling out the ribbon cable, which it's designed to, it's supposed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, this is the problem with Chinese stuff is that you, you never know. I, I, I mean, the stuff you buy, you never know which grade of manufacturing it is. There's, 
I mean, you can't even tell from the price you pay or the supply or anything. Sometimes you get stuff that has come from a, a manufacturer who is also making s- stuff that's going in commercial products and is very high quality and has right right level stuff. And, and then you get stuff from factories that are kept basically knocking that stuff off or uh, stuff that, that's been kind of discarded as, as unsuitable from those factories is sold off at loss. And you, you, know, you never know what you're getting. So, uh, so I mean, I've, I've had expensive um, electronics in the past where you pull on a wire and the connector just comes straight off up yeah. the board. It's not, you know, and, and at that point, it's just like, well, yeah, like you've just it's ruined, ruined it. Thing. Because you can't fix it. And I couldn't fix this connector. There's, it was literally impossible to fix it. There was just no way. So at that point, I actually tried to kind of tape the the, the ribbon cable down, and it was just no way. It's yeah. not going to reliably keep a connection. So I was screwed. Yeah. So I got a hold of Amazon, and I initiated a return for defective part. They gave me my money back right away. Well, as soon as they saw that it shipped back, which was yeah. yesterday technically, boom, it initiated my $70 refund. Which is good, but yeah, that breaking was actually a uh, uh, a blessing in disguise. One of the problems that I was having that I hadn't worked out yet is how I'm going to get sound. I figured I'm I'm going to have to buy some kind of cheap little speakers and mount inside the cabinet somehow, and I really wasn't happy with that. But I couldn't figure out, you know, how, how am I going to get yeah. sound out of this thing? Well, and that. that- that probably wouldn't be great because right um cheap speakers for a start wiring as well power as well and then and then if you've got speakers vibrating inside a wood box that's you're going to sound buzzy exactly yeah and then i'd have to cut the wood to to allow the sound to come through and yeah so what i did was i went back to amazon after i initiated my refund my return i should say and i just started looking up 10 inch screens and i came across one that the original one I bought, David, the the video board and the inverter board and all that was separate from the screen. So mm-hmm. I I had to mount more components on the back of this iCade. Yeah, I found a screen that's uh, it's technically a monitor, but it has the board built in like a regular monitor would, and it had speakers built in. Cool. So I literally went from the audio out on my board directly into here and boom i've got sound you heard it just a few minutes ago i went in with my vga and my power and i mounted this i don't know if i'm going to keep it like this or not but it's just uh double-sided sticky tape on the back of the screen Mm -hmm. to the icade and it's holding it really well i mean i'm i'm kind of tugging at it right now and it's not budging yeah and uh it this screen really simplified my build i'd say fourfold at least i mean it was it just solved so many problems mounting um more control on-screen controls than the other one and audio i mean that i I can't put enough emphasis on the audio it it has audio built in the neat thing i was thinking about this earlier um it's got hdmi in as well i could literally hook up uh, another source to this. Of course, it would be, you know, it's vertical, so that would kind of suck. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> and there's no way to rotate the screen with so- with the built-in software on the TV, on the 
on the monitor. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't do that. So, but it works. It uh, it's it's up and running. Uh, I did build my uh, my little plug for the back where we plug it in, and it uses the same cable that you would use for a computer, the little three prong thing. You know what I'm talking about? You still there? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, it's got an on and off switch as part of this power switch, and it has a fuse in that switch as well. And all of that is accessible from the outside of that switch, so I don't have to open it up or anything to turn it on. I just plug my power cable into it, flip a switch, and about 60 seconds later, it's done booting up, and kids can play games on it. It's very cool. So that's my uh, my my last conversation about the iCade for a while yeah. here on Tech yeah. Fan. yeah. The only thing I'll, I'll, I'll fill the listeners in next week is um, give me some feedback after the kids see it at the school. I'd, I'm interested to know how they react. Absolutely. I'll send you some and, pictures uh, from the yeah. event in an uh, hour and a half from now. <laughs> cool. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Google I.O. <sighs> What's wrong, Guy? Oh, just thinking about how much I miss the Macworld Expo. The fun, the sense of community, the presentations, the people giving out great information about what's going on in the Mac world, the candy apples and roller coasters. Candy apples and... Look, Guy, I can't address this weirdness about nausea-inducing rides, but you can get the rest of all of that at the MacStock Conference this summer near Chicago. The MacStock Conference? Yeah. It's being held in Woodstock, Illinois on June 20th, 2015. There will be great presentations by Alison Sheridan of the No Silicast podcast, Mike Potter from the For Mac Eyes Only podcast, Chuck Joyner from Mac Voices, Tim Robertson from TechFan, Eric Erickson, Julie Kuhl, and appearances by a lot of other well-known Mac podcasters and journalists. That sounds fantastic. I wish I was giving a presentation there. Uh, I actually believe you are, Guy. I am? I wonder what it'll be on. Hopefully not roller coasters. No promises. We should get the word out about this. Well, I think this is where Mike Potter jumps in and tells us all about it. Hey, everyone. Come to the MacStock Conference and Expo on June 20th in Woodstock, Illinois. It's going to be a day of community and information for Mac and Apple users unlike anything else out there. Easy to get to, inexpensive, and packed full of the people you know and love from the independent Apple press. Just go to MacStockExpo.com for more information. If you sign up soon, there's great discounts off the regular admission price. Remember, that's the MacStock Conference and Expo at MacStockExpo.com. Back here on the Tech Fan Podcast number 211. We would love to get feedback from you, and we've got some to go over on this episode as well. Easiest way to get a hold of us is how, David? Uh, I would say you can email us, uh, show at techfanpodcast.com. Twitter's a good way. Yeah. We're at Tech Fan Podcast, And the same thing on Facebook. Facebook.com slash tech fan podcast so david this is the week of uh google io it's mm. their developer conference and it was kind of a big deal for google this week i gotta say now let's be clear you've kind of divorced yourself from facebook and google 
uh, because well, of the lack I, of transparency on what they do with your data. You're not happy I, with that. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's not that I don't use them at all. I, I use Google Search, but basically I, I, I don't tend to do anything, uh, a lot of stuff where you have to sign into it. I don't use Facebook at all. Um, and I don't do stuff with Google where you have to sign in to get their their added value services. Which means if anybody posts stuff up on our Facebook page, that's me answering. That's you, <laughs> yeah. And on Twitter, it's both David and I. We've actually yep. tagged team on answering questions there in the past. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but no, I, I'm not. A, and, and funnily enough, some of the some of the things I um, they announced this week, I, I saw a couple of posts today saying, "Oh well, I've I've looked at the terms and conditions, and uh, I'm not completely sure." Like the photos thing they've done. Well, that's the thing that kind of impressed me the most. They the offering the, what they're offering is on Android, iOS, and the web, which means all computers, is the ability to upload you, all of your photos, an unlimited amount of photos, and that it's not accessible to anybody but you. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. And the problem is, if you look in the terms and conditions, um, it basically says, you know, all your stuff is yours and you own the copyright and we recognize that. But it does say they have the right um, to perform derivative works on those, which basically means they could take an ex- take part of your photo and put it in an ad and you wouldn't be able to say very much about that. Um, you know, and the problem with copyright is that's fine, but as long as they acknowledge your copyright, they would still claim in their terms and conditions they have the right to use the photo. And nobody's saying at this point that that's what they're going to do. Just in the same way that um, that's, that's a concern I always have about Facebook. I don't think Facebook does that today. But the problem is it doesn't prevent them from using from doing well, that. Well, I don't know if Facebook does or doesn't do that. Let me give you an example of that, David. I, I got this weird buzz. Did I sound more essay today? I don't know, sit. Huh. That's weird. Maybe it's just me. Um, <clears throat> I think I'm... Oh, you know what? I was getting echo off my screen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm on Facebook, and I noticed this ad up in the upper right-hand corner. And it always says the same thing. In fact, let me go right there, there right now see if it's still there. And it annoys me to no end. And it shouldn't, but it does. And I bet it's... Because uh, it, it's... No, get off my screen. No, it's not there right now. Although, it's not loading what it usually does either, which kind of is weird. Anyways, um, it says like pages, you know, Apple's pages program. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it doesn't just say like pages. It says your friend Mark likes pages. Except my friend Mark doesn't like pages doesn't own a Mac, has never used Pages, doesn't like the Pages page on Facebook. So it's pulling my contact, and it's got his little picture next to it, his profile picture. So it's pulling from my friends list and putting it on an ad. I don't think that's right. I don't think they should be allowed to do that. But obviously they can do that, even though it's false advertising. He doesn't like that. I, I took a screenshot and I posted it on Facebook. And that's why I know for a fact that he never gave them permission to do that, number yeah. one. Number two, he doesn't use pages, and they're clearly representing him as endorsing the product. Yeah. And he's never he's never endorsed it. He never gave them see, permission to endorse see, it. See, that's the problem. This is, this is the, the, the devil in the detail because they would argue that's a derivative work. 
So they've taken information on the Facebook system and they've used it to create something new. And then they've posted that as part of an ad. Now, you can argue the pros and cons about whether that in, in, in type, whether that, uh, that thing they've created, which appears to look like an endorsement by your friend, actually is or is some sort of fictional image. They would argue it's a fictional image that they've created. But nevertheless, that's what they've done. And this is what worries me about services like, like um, Google Photos, is that they, they are putting details in there to allow them to do that at some point in the future should they decide to yep. and um, that's not what's that's not something I, I want to see done with my photos and you know I understand that that's the trade off and uh, you're getting the service for free and you, you get to upload very high quality photos for free and everything um, I, I understand that's a trade off it's just a trade off that I personally am not to make don't want to make and i think most people don't realize that that's a trade-off they're making there was a story this week i don't know if you if you this got much much coverage in the states this business over um the the um in north in northern ireland they've they've had a uh, a referendum about gay marriage yeah i, I yeah so, yeah I, I saw it i thought it was fantastic okay, yeah yeah, exactly, and and yeah, they, even though um, Ireland is a Catholic, sorry, not Northern Ireland, this is Ireland, the country, not right. Northern Ireland, the UK province. Um, even though Ireland is a Catholic country, there was an overwhelming vote to allow gay marriage, and um, you know that's great. Yeah, something I personally agree with. I think you know you shouldn't discriminate against people, and any form of discrimination is is not something I feel comfortable with. So that was great. But what one of the things I saw was that a couple who agreed uh, and voted you know yes you should allow gay marriage in the referendum they'd had some photos taken and the photographer had with their permission because they never realized this would be a problem had posted the photos of the of this couple to the to uh, one of the stock photo sites and therefore uh, an anti um an anti-gay marriage group had taken their stock photo and used it as an image against gay marriage. Wow. Now, there's nothing illegitimate about that at all. That's all completely and utterly above board. This couple had knowingly posted, allowed the photos to be posted as a stock photo um, and had not put any riders on that. And then the um, anti-gay marriage people had quite legitimately said, we want a photo to accompany our um, anti-gay marriage promotion and um, they found wonderful stock photos like that's fine but this just goes to show this this law of unintended consequences you know you can say oh well, something like that will never be unacceptable to me so it'll be fine and then you find it is and all of a sudden it's you know um, if advertising yeah your friend is endorsing a product to you that you don't you say he doesn't endorse um, okay so it's, it's pages fine you can say it's a bit, it's a bit icky, it's a bit not nice, and whatever thing. Um, then, then whatever. But suppose he's a, um, suppose he's a Jehovah's Witness. And well, actually, ad- suppose he works for Microsoft, and I'm his boss. Yeah. And he's promoting his picture, and his name is promoting a competing product. Well, but, but I was to say, if you if you want to get more into ethics and that sort of thing, suppose it's Jehovah's Witness, and yet the. Um, the uh, advertising that he's unwittingly endorsing is something to do with blood products. Yeah. Which is something that Jehovah's Witnesses on a religious basis do not agree with. You know, suppose suppose it's my picture 
on Facebook, and then it's a then it's a um, it's a promotion for a um, a non-kosher products that j- Jewish people don't eat. You know, you would hope they're filtering algorithms. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> You're Jewish? Yeah. Yeah, you know. Now, I actually, and, and you know what, I have personal experience of this in, in the years before social media, the internet, anything, everything existed. I went to boarding school. So, um, you know, I spent eight, nine months a year living at school with my uh, classmates. So, as you can imagine. That was, that was Hogwarts, yeah, right? It was it's, it was very similar to Hogwarts, only without the magic. <laughs> Are Amazing you sure? similar to Hogwarts. The first couple of books, she really kind of ripped off the whole what it's like to be in a public boarding school. I've heard that. I've heard that. that, yeah, that she, really, she really went for that vibe. So so you know, and all, all credit to it. It it kind of worked. Um, kind of. So yeah, I'm I'm living with my classmates, and uh, as you can imagine if, if you're, uh, this is from the age of 13 to 17, 18 so you can imagine that at, at the age of 13, 14, that's kind of when there's an awful lot of ribbing and joking and catcalling and that sort of thing going on, so there I am, I'm Jewish I'm one of the few Jewish kids in the school, and the uh, the boarding house I lived in actually was where the main kitchens for the school were, and obviously we ate there all the time we were living there, and so um one day, not long after I've been at the school, this van rolls up. I'm setting the mood. Yeah, I, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, this van rolls up to offload to the kitchen, and it's the Danish Baking Company. So it's offloading sides of bacon into the kitchen. Now, so it has a, in massive letters on the side, DBC, which happened to be my initials. And one of the things you do at boarding school, because of kind of the way it is, is everyone gets referred to by their surname and your initials. So everyone knew my initials are DBC. And everyone knew that as a Jewish person, I would not eat bacon. And there's a van with DBC on the side. And you know what so, David's mode, mood? Uh, well, you know, the point is, is I got... A- <laughs> <laughs> the point is, I got a lot of, uh, you know, mostly good-natured ribbing for it. Sure. The point is... It wasn't particularly comfortable, you know, particularly at that age. It's something you kind of learn to deal with and that sort of thing. But it wasn't hugely comfortable to be kind of have jokes made about my religion and my religious preferences. Yeah, you got singled out because of it. Exactly. Yeah. And and so that's I can kind of sympathize with how somebody might feel if this happened to them and the advertising that, that Facebook or Google or whoever was using was a was a product or a service that you didn't personally agree with. And uh, I, I think it would make people feel very uncomfortable. Well, it looks like this photos service, I'm going to have to look into it. It would probably take me a couple of days to upload all my photos to it, to be honest. Uh, I'm not sure how it works on iOS. Do you? I don't know if you have to use their app to take pictures or it just looks I, at your camera roll. I haven't looked at it. I would, imagine, I would imagine their app certainly would have to do the uploading and whether it can get you camera roll. But, of course, in the other thing with, with um, iOS, of course, is you, you then lose all the benefits of the Apple integrated stuff. No, you still keep it. I mean, it, this is supplementing it. It's not deleting anything. I don't know. i, I got to look into it more. I You know, this, this keynote was just yesterday, and I've been as I just said, was pretty busy. I was up till, well, pretty late last night finishing the arcade to make sure I can take it to his school today. Um, <clears throat> I, it's interesting to me, though, because if I have one worry, it's it's the sanctity and the safety of my photos. Now, yes, I've got mold 
excuse me, I've got multiple backups on hard drives and stuff. But yeah, I kind of like the idea of it, the whole thing being up there online. But yet, that also scares the crap out of me. Yeah, I think you just got to you've got to go into it with a, with open eyes, and mm-hmm. uh, I guess a lot of people won't. They'll go into it and say, "Hey, it's cool, cool service I get for free." I think. Look, uh, what really came to me from from this this year's Google I/O is that Google, instead of doing their let's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks thing, which is what they've done for many, many years. Yep. So all of a sudden have woken up and thought, let's do this with some focus and some planning and uh, with a strategy behind it. And it's very clear that that's what they now have, which is something they've not had before. A lot of the stuff that they announced really felt like, didn't Apple already do this? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not saying that as an Apple fanboy. I mean... A lot of what they were talking about was stuff that's already built into iOS and macOS. I thought it's interesting, hmm. yeah, it's interesting to see the Android space on the back foot in yes. terms of services. Where obviously you know Apple is seen as being following Android for for many many years. Yep. So let's move on to our uh, feedback because we got quite a bit of it. We have, yeah. Um, you want to start? Sure. So we we had a note from. Um, from Brendan Rowland, who was talking about the Apple Extended Keyboard 2 that I mentioned last week, um, which I now have installed and working in my office, and uh, I'm absolutely loving. It's really, really nice. So uh, Brendan says, I, too, was a big fan of the Apple Extended Keyboard 2. In fact, I have five of them. See attachment. And he does have five of them. <laughs> he does, yeah. There are still three are still in the original box unused in a UK layout, and two are barely used with one US and one UK layout. Nowadays, I prefer the Matthias Mini Tactile Pro, also known as a 10 keyless design with no numeric keypad. Yeah, I have I to have that. I have to have my numeric keypad. I really yeah, do. Yeah, I, I must admit, actually, I I, uh, I use my numeric keypad. I know all the modern Apple keyboards also don't have that on as well. Yep. So, uh, um, you know, many people don't. But uh, but yeah, I do. I do like I like having the key mm-hmm. the keypad there. I don't I don't <clears> mind. Um, Mind, mind that. Uh, so, but he says, yeah, um, I don't enter n- numbers enough to need the keypad. And reaching around the numeric keypad to my trackball is a pain. So a narrow keyboard feels much better. And and you know, obviously, if you're short space, then that's that's probably right. You know. Yeah. Um, IBM made a ten keyless version of the Model M, which IBM called the Model M Space Saver keyboard. If you can find one of those, it sells for a boatload of money. There is a video on YouTube of one of these being unboxed and used with a Mac a drool. Uh, yeah, and yeah, it's a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice video there too. Philco also makes some great mechanical keyboards, including ten keyless models available, along with shed loads of other mechanical keyboards in UK, US, and several other language layouts from the truly excellent company www.keyboardco.com. I had a look at the site, and yeah, they have pretty much every model of mechanical keyboard ever ever made on there. Um, yeah, there's a ton of them on there. Yeah, so it, I mean, if you if you want to go browsing, trying to find different, and I know that people are into the, and and it becomes clear that that Brendan knows quite a lot about these things. People are into these, kind of really get obsessed about the exact exact type of switches that are in there. And um, well, let's be honest. I mean, you know, you, you know, other than like a, a touch screen thing, your interface to your computer is your mouse and your keyboard, and most people settle for whatever shipped with your computer, whether it's a plasticky IBM keyboard, whether it's the aluminum chiclet keyboard from Apple, whatever came with your computer, with your desktop computer, I should say, that's what they use. 
Yeah. And it's never, and I'm serious about this, nowadays, it's never the best choice. It's never the best keyboard out there. No, it's, it's kind of like a, you know, when you when you go in a, a cheap car versus an expensive car, the cheap cars have a plastic, you know, cast plastic, plastic resin um, steering wheel. Yep. Whereas, you know, more expensive cars have something that's wrapped in leather and feels really soft and nice in your hand. Bearing in mind what you're doing with it, which is, you know, holding it all the time. Yeah. It is amazing that that's one area that, that it gets skimped on. And yeah. uh, it's the same with keyboards and mice. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, in fact, I um, I sat the editor at my at my work down in front of my computer when I got this new keyboard and said, you know, this is meant to be really good. Tell me what you think. Uh, and she really liked it, except for the space bar. She said the space bar was not acceptable to her. <laughs> uh, she said the space bar is too mushy and it needs to be fixed and firmer. And apart from that, she said she said the key the key travel and everything is really nice, but she didn't like the space cup, space bar on my model. So there you go. I don't mind. So <laughs> he says. Um, the IBM Model M is still in production, made by PCKeyboard.com. Now, isn't that the one you've got? That is this one right here. Yeah. Exactly. Yep, that's exactly what I use. Yeah. And and yeah. I use this over the DOS keyboard, which everyone raves about with the mechanical switches. Yeah. I like this one better. Yeah. I have yeah. both, and this is and this is a less expensive keyboard. It's yeah. don't get me wrong; it's still like a hundred bucks, but yeah. I like it. He says they also make a model called the Space Saver. It's not a 10 keyless model like the original IBM Space Saver. Yep. So uh, thank you very much for that, Brendan. Now, also, he, he asked me a question. He said, David, what are the exact details of the product you mentioned that restores the color of the old computers and kit? So uh, we had a little bit of a back and forth on this. Um, he, he, he ended up thanking me, saying it was good to know. So the stuff is called RetroBright, and it's not something you can buy directly. If you search for RetroBrite, um, R-E-T-O-B-R-I-T-E in Google, you'll find several different places where people show you how to make this stuff. What it effectively is, is it's uh, hydrogen peroxide, which is effectively the stuff you use to bleach hair with, mixed with a laundry booster like Vanish or something like that. And what you do is, is you often see recipes that advise you to put something like arrowroot or gum into it to kind of thicken it up and turn it into a gel yep. and what you do is you kind of paste this over the yellow bits of your plastic and then you either put it under a UV lamp or you stick it in the sunlight for a couple of, for a few hours and what happens is the combination of the laundry boost and the hydrogen peroxide basically reverses the process in the plastic layering that's given you the yellow which is in itself is a, a reaction to ultraviolet light um, and uh, it's pretty good apparently um, you can you know you can really roll back the clock on, on some of these things by using this stuff now as I said to Brendan, the last time I tried using this, it, it's actually quite hard to get the recipe right, to get something that really is going to work. And then I, the other problem I had was I live in the UK where we rarely get enough sunshine to actually make it work properly. So I was trying to use a UV lamp, and I don't think I had a powerful enough UV lamp. So I didn't get great results. One of the things you have to do if you're going to put this stuff out in the sun is um, you have to wrap it in cling film. You have to paste the stuff on and then wrap it in cling film so the sun doesn't dry it out because once it dries out, it stops working. Um, and what I actually said to uh, Brendan is that I've found read recently that um, there is a, um, a, a peroxide hair product that um, I will have to find because um, it was in my email that I sent to him that um, already comes in kind of the, the right gel consistency. 
So um, you can buy this. This stuff is only a couple of dollars. You buy it, buy it in the drugstore, then you just put your laundry booster in and you're ready to go. And that makes things a lot easier because you don't have to start mix, messing around with powdered arrow roots and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah it's not so, alchemy at that point, really. Exactly. And, and obviously, you know, it's uh, most of these plastic devices, it's fairly easy to shield off the bits that you don't want to get gunk in. Yeah. Uh, and then coat it up with the stuff and then stick it in the sun for a, half a day to a day and then hopefully you'll find that it goes back to the nice grey or beige colour it originally was rather than the kind of cigarette smoking yellow that um, <laughs> most of these things end up looking like I'll have to try this with my keyboard my keyboard's not actually too bad but actually you can see the original colour because it's had a one of those function key strips on it in, on the top so um you can you can see that see see the original color where it, where it's been protected in sunlight so i will give this a go at some point so uh so yeah very interesting so retro bright is the name of the stuff r e t r o b r i t e yep i got it in the show notes so if yeah. uh you guys want to go to our show notes i will put it in there i won't put a link because i i don't know what i'm going to link to but I'll put, I'll put the no, name in there. Have, yeah, as I say, you have to search for it on Google because yeah. Yeah. there are lots of different places where you find people talking about this and you'll find pictures on Flickr where people show before and after and pretty much any computer or device from this generation, the uh, the Amiga, any, the, apparently it's brilliant for the Apple, um, you know, the... Um, the beige boxes. The beige box apples, yeah, it's yeah. Fab, fabulous for those, so... I've used and I've restored uh, a couple classic Macs, especially the uh, 128K that I picked up at a garage sale that somebody had used a magic marker on, mm-hmm. and it, it looked terrible. The only thing that looked fine was the screen. Yeah. And I took uh, a product called the Magic Eraser, and yeah. you can buy generic ones of it now as well. Yeah, I, I swear by the Magic yep. Eraser. It's really, really good. I tell you, it, it cleaned up that 128K and it made it look like it was brand new. But it will not turn something back to the original color most of the time. No, it, it won't fix remove, oxidization. Yeah. The, it can remove stuff off the surface. Yeah, it's it's basically stuff. super, super, super fine grit sandpaper. That's really what it is. It's it's kind of it's it's like a foam. Yeah. I don't think it actually. It I don't think it actually does um, abrade the surface. Um, but what it what it what it does is it is it is it's the the structure of the foam does something that basically will lift an awful lot off of a surface. So it I, really I is tell you, I've had I've I use these things to clean up my cables. Yeah, I, I I put the sponge in one hand, grip it around the cable, and just pull the cable through, and the cable comes out looking brand new. Trick, the trick with those magic erasers is just put a tiny little bit of water yep, on. Yeah, not much, and yeah. a lot, and you don't use it with a cleaner. It's no. not a sponge. <laughs> yeah. Which is, is what makes it good because it means you can use it on pretty much anything, and you don't need to worry about um, damaging the surface. You right. either use it on, on glass or. But uh, do a not use it on a screen. Well, yeah. Don't not, use it not, on a, a, a flat screen. No, not because yeah, because you'll. Um, it's you, an abrasive, probably, so you don't. Yeah, want well, to do it, that. it'll damage the screen as well. Yep. You'll put too much pressure on. It's fine on glass. That's so great in glass. Uh, next one is from Donnie Yankelo. He's a writer at mymac dot com. He's fired up his uh, his column that he's been doing. He did for a long time. And he's finally back to doing it. And, uh, you know, I, I really like this, that we are now at my Mac offering, how how do I do this with my Mac? And his Maxpiration Basics is the, uh, you know, he did Maxpiration for a long time. 
Yeah. And now he's back to doing it, and uh, he's got like two months worth up at MyMac.com in the queue ready to go. Uh, but anyways, Donnie writes in, we were talking last week about the uh, iPhone mounting system that goes into the CD that I've been using. By the way, I've been using it for a week now. Um, it's, it's fantastic. I really, really like it. It rotates portrait uh, and uh, landscape real easy. Uh, it holds my iPhone 6 Plus in a case. No problem at all. So I'm really pleased with it. This is the solution I've been looking for. Uh, my only problem is I'm not going to be able to take it with me, or I wouldn't want to take it with me when I'm, like next week I'll I'll be in Los Angeles in a rental car. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take it. I'm taking the stupid little vent clip thing. But anyways, Donnie says, just heard you talking about the car mounts for iPhone. I totally agree about the mounts mounting to vent systems. I think that actually fried my battery in my last iPhone, which was replaced by Apple because of the battery going bad. Anyway, here's another option. He's got a link, and I'll put this link in the show notes. Uh, it's called, what is it called? Uh, MagBank. M-A-G-B-A-K. Mag, MagBank? Bake? Bach? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know how they pronounce it. He says, uh, I backed this on Kickstarter, and we shall see if it lives up to the promise. After finding this case, I find out there are other magnet mounting systems out there, too. Of course, the problem with this system, as with any case in general, is that it it is useless once you get a phone that doesn't fit the case anymore. Well, that's always the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pun intended. Um, Yeah, it's got basically, uh, from what I can see on their website, uh, it comes in two pieces. The case that has a magnet built in and a little... uh, steel plate basically that you mount on your dashboard somewhere and it just it just sticks there because of the magnet yeah here's the problem david and maybe this one will work better i don't know i actually bought a magnet system um i can't tell you who made it now because i don't remember but i spent 15 bucks for this thing at a local store because i thought this is this is going to do me good And I have to take this little metal thing and stick it to the back of my iPhone. Uh It didn't work. And now I have this little metal plate stuck on the back of my iPhone that I can't get off. (laughs) Yeah. So I wasn't real happy about this. The saving grace of this one that Donnie's backing, this mag back. I think that's what it is, mag back. Uh Um, The magnet's in the case itself. So, So I would be... But I still have to stick something to my dashboard. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't. I don't like the permanent mounting solution type of thing. That always makes me leery. And it's going to hurt the resale value of your car if you can't get that stupid thing off your dash. That's the trick, isn't it? And and nowadays it should be possible to use it. I mean, the, there's plenty of adhesives that will stick really hard, but will let you with enough force come off without leaving a mark or or damaging anything. But uh, you never know. When you when you buy a product like that, you never know whether it's using that adhesive or it's something that once it's on there, it's never going to come off again. Right. Yeah. Uh, last right. bit of feedback we got is from uh, Nate Bargate. Of course, uh, we've had feedback from him for the last couple shows talking about Plex. Plex being the media server that uh, David uses, and I started using it. I gotta say, David, kind of impressed with Plex so yeah, far. You know what cool. I did? I set it up. I didn't even. Co- there was a couple movies that I downloaded that was in uh, MVK format, a couple of them, and a couple yeah. in AVI format. Neither of which will play on an iPad. However, uh, I didn't convert these to an iPad-friendly format. 
I put it in my hot folder that Plex just constantly looks at whenever it's running. And I don't leave Plex running all the time, by the way. I do turn it off when I know I'm not going to be streaming. And um, it saw those movies. It put the correct cover art on them. And I could play those movies remotely on my iPad. No problem at all. It did the the conversion on the fly. Or at least the codex is built into the player. So, yeah. Um, but his question is, how do I stream remotely from Plex to another Mac? I've got it set up on a server at home. What client do I need to stream? Good question. So, yeah, if you, so it's it's not immediately obvious on the Plex website because the Plex website talks about the server, server software right. everywhere. But there is actually, um, they actually do do a client called Home Theater that runs on Windows or Mac. Um, and it's freely available from there. So you just go and grab hold of that, and you can then uh, watch Plex movies uh, streaming on your computers. And, of course, uh, and there's Plex clients for you know the Xbox and the PlayStation and Amazon's stuff and, yeah, and iPad. The Fire, and, and then the Fire TV, uh, yeah, and also for Samsung Smart TVs. And, uh, you know, obviously they, they're, they're in the business of streaming to as many devices as possible. Right, so. and all you do with the client is you sign into your account. So when you first set up your server, you have to remember your username and your password. Your username is your email address that you use to set up, plus your password. You put the same credentials in the client, and boom, as long as your server is running, and again, yeah. I don't keep mine running all the time, but as long as that server is running, it will see it, it will connect to it, and you can play it. Not just on your home Wi-Fi network either, David. Uh, yeah. As a lark, I put this, the Plex client on my iPhone 6 Plus. I'm waiting at the bus stop, which is about a mile away from my house waiting for the kids. I thought, I wonder what happens if I launch this Plex. I mean, I, I'm on my cellular LTE network. I launched it. It showed me on my library, but it's one thing to show you me my library, and it's quite another to play something. Mm-hmm. I hit a movie, and it started playing. It, there cool. was about, a, between hitting the movie and it started playing video, it's about five seconds. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very, very neat piece of software. I really am my, impressed with it. My only worry for it now is that Somebody's going to buy it at some point and ruin it. <laughs> well, there is yeah. that. Uh, we did have another topic we were going to talk about, but we're going to save that for the next show that we're together, so in two yeah. weeks, and that's about 4K gaming. I'm kind of interested in this t- topic as well. We just kind of ran out of time this week, David. So next week, I'll be talking about my uh, Apple Watch. I also want to talk about wireless charging, because that's something we've been playing with the last couple of weeks, and that's pretty fun, too. Absolutely. I, I wish the the wireless charging thing was more prevalent than it has been. That's what I really liked about that HP touchpad that I had, what, four years ago? Yeah, in fact, I, I picked up a uh, – I have it here. Uh, um, I saw it cheap on eBay, one of the uh, the phones they did. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, for, for a four-year-old phone, it's a really nice phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Really, it's one of those things you play with it and you think, I wish they still made this. Uh, and that also has the wireless charging. And, and where where it would be now if that's yeah, where they exactly, started yeah. with in quality. Absolutely. I, yeah. I got to say, I think HP made a huge mistake. They gave up on that operating system almost immediately. They released that HP touchpad, and within weeks, they canceled it all, and they made the whole thing open source. They made a huge, huge mistake. Yeah. And they could have been, seriously, they could have been number two right now. I'll I'll tell you what's so good about it is that yeah, pick up uh, pick up a five year old iPhone and try and use it with modern apps. 
it just really doesn't work yep. then pretty much anything anymore even the youtube app on there doesn't work anymore pick up the uh, hp pre 3 um even though the hp have discontinued it years ago and a lot of services aren't available everything still works yep. you know you can browse the web on it you can do your email on it it does all of this stuff and it does it really well still yep. you know it's it's very very cool it is a sh- it is a shame but then technology is littered with uh, fine products that just didn't pass the acid test of the market well, uh, I don't think that that one didn't pass the yeah. test of the market. I think HP, because of the lack of leadership at the time, just gave up on it so fast. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was a casualty of politics within a company rather than succeeding on the merits of the technology itself. And unfortunately, that probably kills more products than anything else, David. Yep. With that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Tech Fan Podcast. Again, we'd love to get feedback from you. Twitter, Facebook, email us, the show at techfanpodcast.com. If we mention something and you're trying to find a link, just go to techfanpodcast.com. In this case, go to show number 211, and you'll find a link to it right there, including uh, David's really cool RetroBright. I'm looking forward to that. You've got, and he's got a uh, retrobrite based product, the Hair Lightning Cream. Yeah, Be Blonde <laughs> from Be Blonde. You pick this up, it's a couple of couple of dollars in the store, and uh, put a bit of laundry booster in there, and your retrobrite's ready to go. We yeah. need then the sun. Yeah. Anybody that goes to the page first while listening to the show, they're like, "What the hell are they Hair Lightning Cream? <laughs> this show is just going to the dogs now. What's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> so with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Make sure you listen to my other show, OWC Radio. I usually have a guest. Uh, I had a pretty fun guest this week. I think you guys will uh, enjoy that show as well. And uh, I'll see you in two weeks, David. See you then.